if I want to minimize the risk and to maximize the return, I need to avoid the adventures, I need to avoid uncertainty, I need to avoid uh, eliminate areas that have um, a, a bad reputation and it's really, really hard to get growth. Welcome to the Get Invested podcast, where we share great conversations with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how and where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits that this has created. You see, the truth is that everyone invests. Every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy, and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you to start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You will hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and leave a living legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover the top tips on how to get started, make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately to be living your dream, not someone else's. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening. And now let's get invested. Hi, Freedom Fighters. As we start a new year, a new decade, I always find that it's a great time to reflect on the past, learn from it, and then plan what we'll do to optimize our opportunities in the future. So that's exactly what we're going to do on the next two-part special episodes of Get Invested. Today's episode will focus on what has happened in property nationally over the last couple of years and what lessons we've gleaned from it. Next week's episode will focus on the future, what's in store in the year ahead, from the macro down to the micro level, what impact will this have on property in Australia, and where should you invest if you're looking for sustainable success. And to help shed some light on this subject, there's no one better qualified or better positioned than today's special guest, Doran Palag. For those of you who've been listening to Get Invested for some time now, you remember Doran from episode 24, where he opened our eyes to successful property investment principles and benefits of his absolutely unique forward-projecting research from his company, RiskWise. If you hadn't had to listen to this episode, then it's a great listen, so go and check it out. Now, as the CEO founder of RiskWise Property Research, which is arguably Australia's most innovative independent research house, Doran has more than 20 years' experience in risk management, including time as an executive manager at Westpac. If you're looking for true, independent, objective, and most importantly, forward-projecting research on every state, suburb, and property in the country, then check out RiskWise Property at www.riskwiseproperty.com.au. That's riskwiseproperty.com.au. So, if you're an existing property owner, a potential property purchaser, or an existing or aspiring property investor wanting to know what to expect, what to do, and where to do it, you can't afford to miss this very insightful two-part series. In addition to reviewing what's happened in the world of property and finance over the last few years and the lessons that, that this teaches us, 
Today we learn about the benefits of RiskWise's unique macro to micro property research approach, how you can acquire what he classifies as a AAA rated property, and what information you can and need to access so you can make better informed property decisions based on the future, not just the past. So enjoy this always informative straight shooting chat with Doran Pellick. Welcome Freedom Fighters, it's Bushy Martin back again and at this time of uh, the year and this time of the decade, it's always a good time to reflect on what's been happening, what have we learned from it and more importantly, what's going to happen in the future. And I've found over the years that the best person who's going to give you not only really good independent and objective advice based on the future rather than looking in the rear view mirror, but also giving it to you straight. Now, there's no vested interest here. It's just based on really good, uh, quite scientific analysis of the situations. Uh, it's someone that you would have enjoyed in episode 24 of Get Invested, and it's Doran Padleg. So welcome back, Doran. Can't wait to have a chat. Thank you so much, uh, Bushy, for having me again. Yeah, I always love talking to you, mate. Uh, as I say, uh, you're one of the few people who uh, really has turned the future of property into a science. And uh, th- there's a lot of information out there that confuse people about what's happened in the past. But what I continue to love about you and RiskWise is the sort of future view of where that's happening and doing it in a very uh, unbiased way. I-, I find that there is a lot of data sources and a lot of so-called advisors in the property space that uh, uh, often have a vested interest in pointing you in a certain direction. Uh, what I continue to love and quite refreshing about yourself, mate, is the fact that it is totally objective, transparent, and uh, really does uh, give you something that's worth listening to rather than try to work out where the information's coming from. So really looking forward to our chat to, again today, mate. Excellent. Mate, uh, tell me, uh, it's been over 12 months now since uh, we've had a chat on Get Invested, and I know that uh, you're a man that really makes things happen. So tell us what's happened and what's changed with RiskWise uh, over the last 12 to 18 months, mate. Um, look, um, RiskWise um, in, the, in the last 12 months has, has done uh, really good because uh, we were the first uh, to call in the mid-2010. Uh, 18 the potential impact of the changes uh, to negative uh, gearing so um, our um, independent uh, reports um, got a lot of uh, coverage by the prime minister uh, the treasurer and there are quite a few uh, leading um, economists in australia it was very well published so um, that uh, really um, it helped to drive the discussion regarding uh, the negative gearing, the labor policy, and uh, it has a direct impact on the market. And later on, we also were in a very good uh, position immediately after the uh, election and the uh, interest rate cut uh, in, um, in June and the changes to the um, credit restrictions to come very early and to say that the market... Uh, has uh, shifted and uh, the landscape landscape is completely changing. So in that um, respect, uh, we're doing well. We also have a larger number of, of clients, uh, including lenders, developers, um, a good number of property uh, professionals, and uh, 
and consumers so um so far we're doing well yeah mate i'd, I'd love for you to share uh, what you and i spoke about last week and uh, because uh, the journey that we take our investors on in in trying to identify where to invest in property has always been a, a macro to micro approach and going from starting with spend uh, so that we work out what the you know affordable uh, and achievable spend for an investor is and then look at the highest gross location around the country to do that so we start with state then we go down to suburb then we go down to street and then we finally go down to property is the approach and the journey that we take our investors through and I was really interested uh, to hear about uh, a similar approach that you're now adopting to allow uh, people to back that up with a macro to micro approach on property research. Are you able to share that with us now, mate? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So first as a concept, um, RiskWise is the only service that uh, provides risk assessment and projected returns for individual properties, suburbs, or areas across Australia. Now, when, when um, you are an investor and you want to make... Um, the best decision that, that you can or the, and the informed decision. In plain English, you want to maximize the return but to minimize the risk, okay? Yep. So how do you do that? You, you, you just need to, to follow a very simple approach which is called the, um, the journey or the investment journey, yeah? Yep. The first thing that you need to do is to understand exactly your general objective. Yeah, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to buy uh, a house for an owner occupier? Is it your first house you want to upgrade? Uh, do you want to invest? Is it is it your first investment or second? And generally speaking, is it a sh- your strategy is short term, long term, etc. And how much money you have? Yeah. And then you're saying, okay, based based on that. Um, Approach. Let's say that I'm a, I'm a property uh, investor, and uh, let's say um, my budget is between uh, 500 uh, to 600. I also have my uh, uh, my own uh, property. I have good equity, and hopefully, if uh, things go well, uh, I'm planning to hold this property for a long period of time. Yep. And um, in few years, hopefully, to have enough equity to buy one more property. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then you're saying, okay, based on, on that um, elements, what, what, what can I do? And then you start at the high level, yeah? And the, the first question actually is, um, which is important one, am I focused in Australia? And my humble opinion is, is yes. Yeah. Unless you're very familiar with other markets, have any uh, personal plans, just focus in Australia. Simple as that, yeah? Yeah, let me let me add to that. Let me add to that as well, uh, because this is a, a personal journey that we've been on, Doran, and uh, we ended up jumping on a plane to go to the states and buy some property in the US uh, after the GFC, thinking it was a, a a lifetime opportunity, given that the market crashed pretty substantially. And while the properties have done well over there, uh, it's been very challenging. And what we've come to realise is that w- once the uh, properties return to their sort of historic levels. There's very little growth in the states. Uh, if you look right across the states, there's very little growth at all, generally. 
And uh, the other thing that uh, we came to realise is the level of professionalism here in Australia around property generally is far in excess of anything that we've experienced in the US. So I totally agree that I don't think there's any need to look beyond uh, Australia when it comes to good long-term investment opportunities. Yeah, in, in addition to the fact, and we'll talk about it a bit more when we drill down, but in addition to the strength of the property marketing in Australia, it's it's really hard to invest in a property that you do not know. And obviously, there are players in the market who have vested interests, right? So they come with very uh, uh, exotic proposals, right, of a huge capital growth and rental return of something very innovative that no one heard of. That's fine. That's yeah. not your focus, okay? Yeah. Now, one of the key things when you go from the macro to the micro is to take control over the process, which means you make the decision and you move from the first level to the second and the third, etc. Yeah. And the second thing, um, don't let the background noises distract you, right? Because today we have, um, I don't know, people have, Facebook, and when I say people, is uh, because I personally, I don't use Facebook. It's a waste of time for me. <laughs> now, um, and 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 what what happens is that you think about an investment property and you start looking what's happening, and then there is something uh, uh, on Facebook that I don't know, an attractive investment property in. Pakistan or whatever it is, or the US or Canada or Nigeria, whatever it is. <laughs> it's just background noise that is not part of the plan. Yeah. And the only thing that we need to do is ignore. That's it. Now, and then you're saying, okay, I'm, set, I'm, I'm focusing in Australia, which means all the other things are completely irrelevant. That's it. Yeah. And then you're saying, okay, what, what, what can I do in Australia? And, and you start with the macro level and you're saying that from a macro perspective, if I want to minimize the risk and to maximize the return, I need to avoid the adventures. I need to avoid uncertainty. I need to avoid or uh, eliminate areas that have um, a, a bad reputation and it's really, really hard to get growth. And obviously the prime areas are mining towns and the um, mine mining oriented areas. Yeah. Let, let's uh, let's think uh, for example about Perth, okay? Um some people um wrongly um thought that the market uh, would reach the bottom and I heard that from uh, 2014 and 15 and 16 and 17, and 18, and 19, yeah. and now maybe in 2020 it would reach the bottom. Yeah. But that is not the question. Even if it is, there are no growth drivers, and we'll talk about those in, in five minutes, to say, look, this is a really good market, and if I buy a property for, for 10 years, this is absolutely the best thing that I can do with half a million dollars? And this is a very important question. Mm. What is absolutely the best thing that I can do with half a million dollars? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then you're saying, okay, let's focus on 
The other states, let's say, um, obviously Sydney or New South Wales, Melbourne, which is currently a very, very attractive uh, destination for this uh, price bracket. Some areas in Southeast Queensland and potentially some areas in uh, South Australia. Yeah. And then basically what you are doing here, you are eliminating half of the states and territories, territories in Australia. You're being left with very few. Yeah. And then the next level that you have, and this is the regional area, what we call a professionally something that is called the SA4. Which means the the area within uh, the state. Um, if we talk about the Sydney, it could be a uh, uh, Hills and Hawkesbury, or the eastern suburbs, the inner west. Uh, in Melbourne, it could be the western suburbs, um, etc. Yeah. And and then we're saying, okay, let's see. Now, what we can do, because with half a million dollars, we cannot really buy a house in the northern beaches or the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Yeah. No. And and let's see what what potentially is uh, or could be considered. And it's it's a very simple question. Uh, the first question is property type, and the answer is very very clear and obvious, which is house. Okay. Yeah. And. The, the reason for that, the, the reasons actually, are few. So the first one, when you buy a house, you also buy a piece of land, which is very, very important. And you cannot create more land. In the past, the standard was, um, I don't know, an acre, and then it was uh, 1,000 meters, and then it was uh, five to 600 square meters. And now in Sydney, in good areas, if you buy a house at 350, 400 meters, in good areas in the northern beaches like Manly or the eastern suburbs, even a house in the 400 square meters sounds really good. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Because of a very simple reason. There is not enough land in high demand areas. areas. On the other end, regarding units, it's, it's, it's a matter of a decision and planning. And we saw that with the unit oversupply. Obviously, it was not the right a property type, but that was a very clear demonstration that um, through the right uh, planning and decisions, you can create a huge number of, of properties. Yeah. And the second reason is that, um, and we saw that uh, recently, is that generally units are by far more sensitive to investors' activity and to uh, potential taxation changes. I mean, the negative gearing, obviously, uh, as proposed by the label, the changes have a huge impact on, on units with, with all the, the mess that, that they create because units have a larger concentration of investors. Okay, yeah. so as an investor, you actually, what you want to do is to buy properties that are suitable for owner occupiers. Totally. Okay, you want to, to as an investor, you want to uh, uh, minimize your exposure to other investors. Okay, 
Yeah. I know that it sounds paradoxical, but that that's how it works. 100%. I, I, we often say exactly that, that the one investment class that is driven very strongly by emotion is property. And the reason for that is that in most areas, at least 70% of uh, property owners are owner-occupiers and they will they will spend more money than the property is worth just because they want it. What you, we need to be doing is slipstreaming quietly behind them and allowing them to drive the market, and we just uh, go for the ride. So uh, 100% agree with what you're saying there, mate. Spot on. Exactly. Now, there, there is another another key factor. In many cases, and, and we saw that in in, uh, in Sydney and also uh, Melbourne, the functionality and proximity to work is a very important thing for owner occupiers. Okay, so if we talk about the western suburbs of Melbourne, and we'll talk about it a bit more later. So what we're seeing here is an area that a few years ago started with the gentrification. It was kind of similar to the inner west. Yeah. Okay, so you had the inner uh, suburbs of of uh, of the west, like uh, Footscray. Yeah, and. Uh, People who did not have enough money to buy in the lucrative uh, inner east of Melbourne mm-hmm. had to buy in the inner west. Yeah. Why? Because proximity and jobs and that, that's where they, uh, they, they work, right? Yeah. And live. And what happens then? They live in, in Melbourne. And what happens then? You see additional number of people who buy there and then the area went up significantly in prices. Yeah. People moved out a bit more yeah. to Sunshine and then Sunshine West and then etc. etc. And this one, this area is a very, has very similar patterns to those that uh, we've seen in the western suburbs of, of Sydney. Mm. Same thing, people have to move out. Okay? Yeah. So what happens is that uh, right now, you can buy roughly 20 minutes by train from Sydney CBD in uh, areas like Hopper's Crossing, um, properties for five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars on on a relatively large uh, piece of land. Yep. And and this is a very important thing because what drives this market? A lot of uh, on occupiers. You see the movement from the uh, in the east. To the inner inner west, and then gradually to the outer west. Mm, okay, great. So once uh, we we landed on a specific property type, which is houses, mm-hmm. we started checking the the areas that we can afford, and let's say that uh, with the with the budget of a five to six hundred, our budget is is quite limited. So. We don't have too many areas to, to consider because Sydney is obviously uh, quite expensive. Uh, we do have some areas in uh, obviously uh, Melbourne, South Australia, and Southeast Queensland. Then what we do, we start narrowing down. We're saying, okay, let's focus on these areas. Uh, and then um, we're saying, okay, let's say that the Gold Coast or let's say, the uh, the western suburbs of uh, Adelaide and uh, let's say the western suburbs of uh, Melbourne. Yeah. We drill down a bit more. 
And then we're saying, okay, which suburbs exactly we could potentially buy? Now, and, and here, at a certain point of time, it really depends on, on, the, on the, your skills and understanding of the market. But at any point of time, you are, uh, when you work interstate and you are not in, uh, uh, very experienced, what you need to do is to communicate with someone who is going to help you. The only question is when. Yeah. In some cases, it's uh, the initial uh, planning and, and research. In other cases, uh, it's uh, to help you to, to narrow down the selection and to, to execute the deal. In some cases, uh, you roughly know what, what you're doing, but you need uh, a buyer's agent or someone else to act on your behalf to, to um, purchase the property in the right price because you're not familiar with, with the market. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Now, and, and this is this is the key thing, because the individual property itself has a huge impact on on the on the uh, price growth and in plain English on your equity in your future. If you if you buy the 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 right property for the right price, and in plain English we call it a triple A property. Yep. A property that on one hand ticks all the good boxes. Let's say that when we talk about houses, it's not only the the, the, the suburb, we talk about uh, uh, four bedrooms, let's say two bathrooms, uh, two car spaces, condition that is uh, usually above average, uh, good proximity to the uh, to, uh, specific uh, facilities in the area. Yep. So these are the good things. We are avoiding the bad things. We are avoiding a um, main road. We don't really care what the seller's agent is saying about main road. We do not want a property on the main road. Yeah. We do not want a property in close proximity to, to bars or restaurant when we can hear the noise in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Yeah. It's not for us. Yeah. We don't want any, any physical... Um, uh, issues or any any concerns that um, will reduce the demand for the property. And what what do I mean by that? A good property simply attracts a larger number of buyers, a larger number of people who own the property. Okay. Yeah. Now, if my property is on the main road, so half of the people, and again we talk about owner occupiers, yeah, and the missus is coming, yeah, and she's saying, nope. <laughs> Too noisy. <laughs> My kids are not going to live in this property. That's it. That's the end of the discussion, right? Yeah. So what happens? You're losing a potential buyer. And as an investor, you, you want to rent this property out, right? Yeah. If you don't have the right property, it does not tick all the boxes. And 100 meters away, there is a similar property that ticks all the boxes. Let's say quiet street. And then what happens? The other property will enjoy the demand and your property will remain vacant for additional week or two weeks or four weeks. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, and this is an important thing. You have a lot of um, relatively small things that when you put them on an aggregation, they have a major impact. Okay. Yeah. It means that instead of uh, getting uh, 500 a week, you're getting only a, a 440 or 450. 
And uh, instead of having uh, really good tenants that are happy with the property, not going anywhere for two or three years, uh, your, your tenants are not really happy. It takes time to rent out the property. Every year or every 18 months, you need to find another tenant. Sometimes the uh, tenants do not want 12 months. They're not happy with the property. They use your property only as a temporary solution. Yeah. You don't want that to happen. Yeah, and obviously, the capital growth is 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 hugely impacted because if you have a property that ticks all the boxes, you have quite a few owner occupiers. They want to compete for this property because they know that this is a really good property that ticks all the positive boxes and there's no negative element. So obviously, they want to live there and to raise their kids there, right? Yeah. It's a very rational decision, right? Yeah. So that's what you need to do because this is a very crucial uh, stage and uh, it could cost you dozens or thousands of dollars at least if you make the wrong decision. Yeah, exactly. We, when we talk about about houses and we talk about a period of uh, 10 years or more, the impact between a good property to uh, be, between a triple A property to a below average property could be in the six figures, which means that the impact could be $100,000 at least after 10 years, which at is least. a substantial amount of, of money. Yeah, at least. Yeah, would one hundred? Yeah, totally agree, mate. It's and that it's as you've said, it's the accumulation there. There's it's no one thing. We've, you need to be ticking the boxes from from the macro right down to the micro to really optimize your reward, but but minimize the risk at the same time. So uh, yeah, love your thinking around that, mate. Love your thinking around that. So so putting that together, uh, if I was a investor and I'm looking for that to go on that journey and to support that journey with uh, really good qualified information, how do they go about that with risk wise, mate? So look, what, what we have, um, we're, we're very, very clear and simple uh, tools. So the first, the first tool that we have, um, and by the way, we provide with lenders, developers, and property professionals the same tool. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, which means what uh, the one of the big four banks get, you also get. It's not that uh, we give one thing to the lenders and another thing to the consumers. So the first level is uh, we have a quarterly risks and opportunities report. This gives you a quarterly overview with risk and projections for the next uh, couple of years for all the areas in Australia, all the states in Australia. This is a macro report. So this takes you uh, to the uh, uh, takes you to the state and capital uh, cities level and says, yeah, that's basically what happens in each and every one of those, and it helps you to make a decision uh, where you want to focus. Yeah. The second thing that uh, we have, we have um, reports within each state for all the reg- for all the areas with, within uh, that state. Let's say that uh, if you are in uh, New South Wales, so where uh, we have. Uh, uh, reports for the Central Coast and Hunter Valley and Eastern Suburbs and Blacktown in the West, etc. Each and every one of the areas in Australia 
also gets a report. And obviously, in all of our reports, not only we uh, provide information, we also provide rating. And the rating is very, very clear. Traffic lights. Green is green light. Yellow or amber is you have to be careful. And red is don't, don't go there. Okay, it's very, very simple to, to understand. Yeah, brilliant. And then what happens is that you have a variety of, of, uh, of uh, resources and areas that you can consider. Why is that? Because in many cases, people uh, during the journey, they have additional ideas. They're saying, okay, let me check uh, what else can I do in the... Uh, um, in, in New South Wales, actually, yes, so it's not really close to the city, but let's see what's happening in the central uh, coast. Yep. And with, with that tool, you can actually, with those reports, you can have, okay, I'm going, you can have a comparison in a sense that, yeah, let's have uh, one uh, report for the central uh, coast in uh, New South Wales, another one for the western suburbs in uh, Sydney. Yeah. Another one for the western areas in Adelaide, and the fourth one for the Gold Coast, and the fifth one actually for Moreton Bay in southeast Queensland. Yeah. Let's see how they work. Brilliant. Yeah, so it, it's a very it's a very effective tool because you you have the the entire set of areas. The only thing that you need to do is to review review them and make a decision where you want to focus, okay? Yeah. And then the, 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 the next level that we have is uh, a system-generated report for, for suburbs or property, which means if you know the suburb, just go to the system, you enter the suburb details and a typical property that you would like to buy, yeah? Yeah. yeah. To see how it looks like. Uh, let's say uh, you go to a... Uh, uh, Miami in the Gold Coast, and you're saying, okay, I would like to buy, uh, let's say, a house, and uh, this is the configuration, and this is potentially the price that I would like to to pay. How it looks like if I had bought that property, and let's uh, also see how the suburb looks like, and what is the rating of the suburb. Yeah. And obviously, if you know the address, you just need to enter the address, and then you also get uh, the um, potential uh, not only risk but also the potential uh, AVM or the estimated the price for this specific property and uh, you have the full picture and then you see yeah am I on the right on the right track or not yeah brilliant that's a just a uh, I love your thinking it's very intuitive it's exactly the way that uh, you know I personally and and the people that we assist do we go on exactly that same journey so to have that level of uh, qualitative and quantitative support with the, the data that and the algorithms that go in behind what you're doing uh, just really going to help uh, investors make much better informed decisions Doran so uh, absolutely brilliant so I'll in the show notes I'll uh, provide details for those listening to be able to uh, access uh, your reports and how to become a subscriber to what you're doing uh, to better inform not only in the buying of the property but then keeping an eye on the on the area as it, it progresses so that you can getting those updated uh, uh, quarterly and periodic reports on how things are progressing mate so absolutely fantastic mate um, let, let's 
we've sort of come towards the end of the year and, and the end of a decade, and we're about to broach on, on uh, 2020. So always a good time to reflect. So uh, given how active you've been in the marketplace, uh, we'd love you to walk us through uh, you know, what's happened, particularly in the last 12 months, and there's been a lot happen in the, the property front across the country over that time. Uh, we'd love you to walk us through that and with a focus on what, what are the learnings and the insights that uh, you've taken from that and how will that apply to what we want to be doing in the future. Okay, that, that's a good one and a big one. <laughs> uh, now I'll, tell, I'll tell you why. The recent 12 months, or effectively the last couple of years, were the most um, a, a challenging in the Australian history as recorded yeah, in the property market. Mm. Okay, Why is that? Because we had a huge number of external events that I'll, I'll review uh, quickly, that each and every one of them by itself has a huge impact on the property market. Okay, But the point is that there was a big number of events that happened in, the ve- in a very, very short period of time. Mm. How it works. Um, we actually started with um, relatively strong or tighter credit restrictions in March 17. Okay, so that kind of set the tone. Yeah. And then what happened is that um, later on uh, during uh, 2018, uh, lenders actually decided uh, to apply uh, voluntarily stricter credit restrictions. Yeah. And then uh, we had uh, kind of a life in, once in a lifetime royal commission with a huge impact on that. Yep. On top and and the recommendations that they had in scrutinizing of loan applications. Yep. And then we had also kind of almost like once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime uh, potential changes to negative gearing. Now, if uh, we take all of this in 2018 mid 18 yeah what we see is something very very um simple number one the market especially in sydney and melbourne and these markets uh, draw all their attention later on we'll talk about the other markets yeah. so they had a huge run uh, till uh, the end of 17 but what happens then the market had reached the tipping point. But in addition to that, when you have the credit restrictions by APRA and the Royal Commission, you have a big problem. And then in the background, we have uh, labor. And the labor were very, very vocal regarding uh, the intentions to change the negative um, gearing. Now, the statistical probability based on, on betting houses and the servers that they would win the election was around 80, 82 percent. Okay. And they were extremely clear regarding the intentions to change negative gearing and capital gains uh, tax and to allow it only for new properties. Okay. They had a certain um, idea, but uh, theoretical idea that um, it, w- it would only have a minor impact on, on the market of 2%. Okay, so what we've done, we published a big report on that one. And um, based on our work, 
additional company uh, companies and policymakers uh, quoted us. And then what happens? Uh, property investors saw that yeah, th there is a major problem with the, those potential changes. The election the results could have a huge impact on the market. Yeah. So people said we have to factor that into our decision making. Yes. If the Labour win the elections, would if they would win, it means that there is or there would be a huge impact on property prices. Property prices would definitely go down. Okay. Yeah. Now, by the way, not only in Sydney and Melbourne, across the entire country, because the proposed changes to negative gearing were not limited to Sydney or Melbourne, right? which means they also were applicable to weak markets like, like Perth or uh, uh, Gladstone, Mackay, and many other areas in Australia, right? Yeah. And so that's what we had. And then over a very short period of time in uh, um, between May to June 19, everything was kind of reversed. Labour lost the elections, number one. Yeah. Number two, the RBA cut interest rates and also implied in June that there could be more interest rate uh, reductions. Yeah. Number three, APRA changed something that is called the flow assessment or the buffer that, that they would like uh, the banks to use to assess home loans. In plain English, they uh, increased the borrowing capacity by uh, roughly between 11 to 14 percent. Yeah. And all of this had a huge positive impact on the market sentiment. Yeah. And then what happens? People are re-entering the markets and obviously the high and uh, the top end of the market that suffered strong price reductions during the downturn is showing very strong uh, price uh, increases and also other areas, especially in Sydney and Melbourne, are showing price increases. And if uh, we, we take uh, a look, so those, those obviously are the facts. But if uh, we think about the lessons, so we have quite a few good lessons here. So the first one, and Bushy, this is one that we talked about, I don't know how many years, yeah, but quite a few years ago before the, the downturn and the recovery. And so yeah. think long term and don't seek quick wins. Okay, so this is lesson number one. So that's fine. So we saw lending restrictions and uh, Royal Commission and potential changes to labor. Fine, but, and there is a big but. Yeah. If you have the right property, which is a house, a piece of land in the right location, the only thing that you need to do is wait. Why? Because even in the worst case scenario, Labour would have won the elections and would have abolished negative gearing after a couple of years, give or take, the market would have reached the same equilibrium point because of a very simple reason. There is a massive undersupply of houses in the inner, middle, and middle rings of Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. There are not enough houses. So the only thing that you need to do is wait. 
And with a huge population growth in those cities, obviously there is a huge demand for houses. Okay, so this is this is lesson number one. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't think about quick wins because during that period we saw where uh, people were looking for adventures uh, in the mining towns, uh, in Tasmania, in in other places. Yeah. So so don't do it. Think long term. Brilliant. The second one is that, again, we, we said that we've been saying that for, I don't know how many years, units, especially high-rise units, carry a higher level of risk yeah. to deliver either negative or very poor returns, okay? And not to deliver what you're expecting. In plain English, when you have half a million dollars, this is definitely not the best thing that you can do with your money. Yeah. Okay, for any price point, instead of buying a high-rise unit, you can buy a, an established house. Yeah. Okay, in a different area. But fine, this is a well-established, it, it is an established and existing house that carries a lower level of risk for price reductions yeah. and would deliver better capital growth over the long term so this is a key a key lesson because we saw what happened and uh, based on the massive oversupply there were also uh, restrictions on foreign investors and a lot of properties um, could not be sold okay some developers became a back backdrop and on top of that and that's a different topic we now have the construction defect mm -hmm. okay and again, these are things that you don't see in a well-established house. You buy a house, it's a very simple structure. You have a house inspection. It checks what happens, what happens, the, the structure, the, the quality of the property. One property, simple as that. After a couple of days, you get a report, green light, continue with the property. You don't care about cladding potential changes, uh, reputational damage. Yeah. So th this is a big one, okay? Yeah. And I'll let, let me explain about the reputational damage. What happens because of the construction defects, many people don't want to buy in high-rise units because they say, look, I don't know what happens. Yes. I'm not familiar with that. There are uh, rumors that the problem is uh, is very broad, potentially across the entire country, we simply do not know. Mm. We, we don't have the, the, the financial means or the incentive to have a, an inspection for the entire building. Yeah. Okay, for us, it's way easier and better to buy an existing house or a unit in a small unit block. Okay, so the high-rise unit is, is a big, uh, a high-risk area. Okay. Yeah, totally, yeah. Now, the, the other lesson... And, and again, we saw that in the past, because many people were looking for some uh, um, rental returns and positive cash flow, a lot of stories, okay? In plain English, the cash flow is not the major consideration, okay? Obviously, if you cannot service the, the mortgage and you have problems with serviceability, you have to think about it. But yeah. if you do have the option, if you do have the means, yeah? yeah. So if you need the off, uh, out of your pocket to spend a couple of uh, hundred dollars a month, 
yeah, yeah which are tax deductible yeah and to get a prop a, a top property a triple a property which is a house yeah that's way better in other words capital growth should be the key driver for the investment decision rather than cash flow okay totally and and the last one is back to basics think about the simple things as bushy as you like to say yeah houses good proximity to jobs high demand areas but only by only occupies simple as that yeah. we don't need to look for adventures or some creative things and deals or what i like to call distractions and background noises just just ignore them yeah. just just keep it simple yeah brilliant absolutely spot on mate i i i often say darren that good investing is the most boring thing that you'll ever do and if you're getting excited by what you're investing in, you, you're probably not investing in the right thing. So, uh, and if you want to do that, you might as well go to the races or go to the casino. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now Look, if, if if you want to donate to do, to donate money to the uh, uh, casino owners, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> But exactly, look, an investment is a very structured process. And by the way, the approach that we have developed, the top-down approach, actually came from lenders. We came, number one, from financial services. And number two, we have clients that are lenders and investment funds, okay? Mm. And, and that, that's what they see, a very simple approach, top-down approach, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I call it the six State P's. Level. Yeah, I, I, it's the uh, I do a, a six S's in scarcity approach, which I talk about in my book, The Freedom Formula, which does exactly what you've just said. It goes from we start with spend because we need to work out what is the affordable and achievable spend, and then we look for the highest growth location around the country. So we go from spend, and then we synchronise that with the property clock. Uh, then we go from state to suburb to street. Uh, before we even get to the the property, and uh, all of those factors you've talked about uh, help to drive that. And it's it's no rocket science. It's you know, what do most uh, Australians like to live in? A house on a block of land, uh, three to four bedrooms, two bathrooms, a uh, couple of living areas, and a couple of couple of garages. It's there's no rocket science in any of this, but it's about being in the sweet spot of demand where everyone wants to be. So, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that. I think that the the interesting thing in the residential property yeah. is that you have so many speculators in the market, yeah, yeah. with different uh, vested uh, interest that they create so much so much noise. Okay, that, that's the first thing, and the second thing is that uh, property investment look like a simple thing yeah i mean if if i'm uh, going to tell you look uh, currently you have half a million dollars and you need to invest in uh, 10 different startups okay each and every one of them could actually either fall or really really succeed and there is a company and that's that's the process that they have you're going to be very careful because of one simple reason most likely, you don't know how to invest in startup. You don't have any model to assess the risk yeah. associated with those companies, right? 
Yeah. With, with residential property, one of the, since it's, it's a tangible thing, and many people think that they understand what they're doing, it's by far easier for, for property speculators and people who have vested interest to, to impact your decision, to create noise. Yeah? Yes. They can invite you to a free event in a nice hotel with dinner and drinks and, and speakers and whatever, just to give an update on the property market and to help you because they like to help people and, I don't know, they would like to, to bring, I don't know, world peace. Fine. There is only one problem. So, someone, look, no, that's fine. Someone pays for, for, for the event, right? Yeah. It, it, it's very simple, right? And if they brought uh, speakers, so these speakers spend time, right? So someone paid them, right? Yeah. And if this someone is not you, you're not the client, okay? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a very simple thing. And yeah. from some reason... Property investors like to think that they are more important than they really are. You're the client. If you want really top, top quality AAA property, yeah, you need to, to pay someone to help you. Simple as that. It's, it's, it's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. And I want to, to add another thing, which is also very uh, interesting. At the high end of the market, we talk about uh, Sydney Eastern suburbs and the uh, inner east. You have a lot of uh, very successful uh, executives yeah. uh, and business people, and what they do, and they do it all the time. Yeah. Um, they simply pay to other people. I mean, for example, uh, they um, let's say that you are a high net worth individual. You, you you've done well. Yeah. Yeah. And you would like to invest, let's say, five um, percent of uh, of your money in a high risk companies. Okay, yeah. a lot of uh, people investing in those companies, the startup technology companies. So in many cases, what they do, they go to a venture capital fund. That's what they do. Yeah, the fund. Yeah. And they tell them, look, we're going to put, let's say, five percent of of the funds. It could be in many cases uh, half a million, in some cases more. Yeah. One million dollars in in your fund. How does it work? So the fund says, "Yeah, we're really good in uh, venture capital funds, and we take I don't know one point five or one point eight to two percent a year." Yeah, that's that's how they work. Yeah, take it or leave it. it. It's a very simple question, okay? Yeah, and there there is um billions of dollars in venture capital funds in Australia, okay? Yeah. So you do the math. So people happy to, to pay the, the, the 1.5 or 2%. The same thing for uh, good uh, superannuation and, and uh, hedge funds and, and many, many uh, asset classes because people with uh, money, so let's call let's call them a bit more sophisticated investors. Know that in order to get the best results, you have to make the best decisions. Yes. That's it. Simple. And and the decisions are made by uh, more competent people, and those people cost money. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I, I've always said that uh, if you're going to be successful in anything, it's an elite team sport, and you're not a player. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I, I often say. Uh, if you're going to have brain surgery, 
you wouldn't go to Bunnings and buy a drill and some cotton wool and some methyl and then try and do it in front of the mirror in the bathroom at home. You'd go and get the best neurosurgeon and, and anaesthetist and the whole team uh, to get the best possible result. Well, it's no different in property. If you're not a, not full-time into property, and you shouldn't be unless you, you're doing that, then surround yourself with a bunch of independent professionals who do what do what they say they, they're getting you to do. So, you know, I'd, I'd never follow anyone who doesn't walk their own talk. But, uh, you know, I'd, I see ourselves as, as uh, owners of a, an elite team and I just make sure I've got the best players on the ground that understand each other's strategy and are, are kicking my goals. And then our only role is just to manage the managers. It, it, it's a very simple thing. And I, I think that the other... The other problem that, um, and, and we saw that in the lessons, that many investors are not fully aware of is the consequences in one way. And because they, they, they go to a certain event and someone tells them a story or whatever, or they make the decision by themselves, fine. And they buy somewhere um, in an area that usually they don't know or they don't really understand the market and they overpay a bit. And bottom line, after five years, what they see is they see that they either lost money, yeah. dozens of thousands, in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. or in other cases, they see absolutely zero growth. The market in Sydney and Melbourne was going up 30, 40, 50% in some areas. They sell 8% in five years. Yeah, which is still pretty so good, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, obviously, uh, this is something that uh, we call regret, right? You regret of the result, right? So yeah. what I'm saying is that if you know that you could regret, try to avoid the situation. Try to do it differently. Yeah. So yeah. Don't cut corner. Just do it right first time. That's it. Yeah, I think the the uh, bit of the challenge there is that because people live in a house, they think they're experts on housing. So how hard can it be? I'll just go and buy another house. That that's that's part of the thinking. The other thing is that a lot of Australians don't trust easily. So rather than uh, trust someone else, they'll try and reinvent the wheel and and do it themselves. And they just don't know what they don't know. So they they get into hot water without even realizing it's happening. So it's it's like anything, uh, you know. The, there's only about five percent of anyone is successful in any particular area. You, to be amongst the five percent, you've got to play with the the best of the best, and and that's where I love what you bring to the table, Doran, with the objective uh, forward projection uh, side of riskwise to help qualify those decisions. Well, freedom fighters, how good was that? To get a summary of all this investment gold in the show notes, just email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. It's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au. Or check us out at www.bushymartin.com.au forward slash get invested. I look forward to joining you next week for another episode of the Get Invested podcast. So thanks for listening. And as always, dream as if you live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow.